Right, so just very, very quick recap. Um, I don't know how many of you have been to any of these previous little slots, but um, I am... I have an absolute, I love the Hebrew language, um, partly because my mother's Israeli and so um, speaks Hebrew. Um, I never, unfortunately, got to learn it as a child, so I'm still trying to catch up. Um, but I absolutely love it. And there is, there's so many things I've been discovering in, in studying it that show why God should choose a language like this to reveal himself. So the language in which he reveals himself is important, and it's not beyond us. Don't think, oh, it's a different language, <laughs> can't go there. Different figures, different letters, oh dear. Um, it's fine, you can go there. It's an amazing, amazing treasure trove, just as you would expect from God. You know, you dig a bit and you find a bit more. You dig a bit more and you find a bit more. And God is like that, his heart is like that. He just can never get to the end of him. So if you're into words, or even if you're watching for words, let's just have a very quick look. Um, so we looked at how Hebrew was based originally on pictures, picture language, the proto-Canaanite language, which was all done in pictures. And those pictures had meanings, and they kind of developed over time into other little pictures, the old Hebrew um, script. And then uh, when um, Ezra and his scribes got hold of got hold of these scriptures while they were in Babylon in 500 and something or other, they developed the actual language that we're more familiar with today, the square Hebrew, the square, squarish letters, yeah? Um, and what we see in Hebrew today is from what was developed from about 500 and something BC, okay? But it's all based on pictures. Pictures, ideas, words, actions, everyday stuff. So, just if Paul, if you could just go through... Okay, so that, that was, yeah, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, so this is just uh, stuff that we've done before, and just stop at L, keep going, there, okay. So do you remember L? Yeah? So L was made of two letters, Aleph and Lamed. Aleph is the one that means um, strength, okay? It's the first letter of the Hebrew language. It means kind of strength, headship, Yeah? Um, and uh, Lamed is the one that, if you look back in it, it was like the shepherd's crook. Yeah? So it was like sort of leadership, going forward, guiding, those kind of ideas. Yeah? So you have like strong leader, strong guide, um, wrapped up in the word L. And who remembers what L means? God. Lovely. Oh, amazing. Somebody's listening. <laughs> Excellent. So when you say, when you hear the words Elohim, L, that bit of the L, or him, is actually a word, of pl a plural word for God, interestingly, and that comes right at the beginning in Genesis, the plural word for God. So God is Elohim. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so as Christians, we can look back and we can say, oh, yes, we understand that. But it actually, it's, you know, it's one of those mysteries um, that, that Jewish people still look at the word and think, hmm, interesting, plural, yeah? But they don't know the Messiah, so they don't have the full picture. Okay, so, um, and also you'll notice it in many words in the Bible, Joel, Joel, yes, or Emmanuel, we talked about last time, yeah? So wherever you see that little L, it's referring to God, and the other bit that's with it gives you some name about God, some reference to God and his attributes. Okay, next one. Next one. Next one. Okay, next one. Oh, there we go. That's good. Okay, so today's word, a quick one, today's word is lev. Now, 
it's made up of two letters. You've already seen Lamed, which is the shepherd's crook, yeah? And the other letter is a bait. Bait or bite is a representative of the word house. So, bait, hang on, bait lechem. Bethlehem, bait lechem. Lechem is bread. Bait is house. Bait lechem, house of bread. Okay? So that's bait. And then you say to me, hang on a minute, you just said lev, not leb. So what's, that, what's going on there? Okay, well, Hebrew is a bit funny like that. So you can have these letters, and um, it can be pronounced one way in one context and another way in another context. Okay, so bear with me. Um, just suffice it to say that when bait is at the beginning of the word, it's usually pronounced b, be. And when it's in the middle of the word, it's usually pronounced the, they. Okay? So, lev. Simple, really, yes. <laughs> when you know it, okay. So, we have, um, we have, if you go to the next slide, um, Paul. Okay, so if we think about the concept of the heart in Hebrew, um, it's quite interesting. So, when, what, what, I mean, the, the heart, what does the heart mean to you when you talk about the heart? Center of who you are. Good, yeah. Okay. Any any other things? Any? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So heart, who you are. That's right. So very much. Oh, Krista. Hello. <laughs> Say hello to Krista. I haven't seen her for ages. <laughs> Welcome. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so the heart traditionally is thought of as like the seat of the emotion. Who we are, what we feel. Yeah. But interestingly, in Hebrew, it's, it's partly that, but it's much more to do with the seat of thought. Okay, I'll just let that sink in a minute. So, when it comes, so yeah, more to do with thinking, all right? So, Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, do you remember sometimes it, it some translations it uses the word mind. Yeah? With your your heart, mind, soul, strength, yeah? And that's because actually in the Hebrew, lev is more to do with your mind. I mean it is to do with your heart, but it's more to do with your mind. Um and it's that idea of where decisions are made, where the thinking happens. If you like the um yeah. The seat of the seat of who you are, which is to do with your thinking. So, as Pat, as Pat said. Okay. So, next one, next slide. Thank you. So, we have. If we look at the origins of the letters, we have lamed, which is the shepherd's crook, leadership, authority, and bait, which is the house or the home, what exists within. So, all of a sudden, lev becomes the authority of what is within. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's also partly to do with the will, who you give your will to. And when you have uh, verses in the Bible, like from Proverbs, where it says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, it's not so much to do with your emotions as your mind. And another, later on in Proverbs, it says, you know, be careful of what you put in front of your eyes. And David re- reflects that and says, you know, I, I will not p- put in front of my eyes any vile thing. We need to be careful what we feed into our hearts because our, uh, our 
our minds rather, because our minds are the seat of where we make our decisions about who we are, how we act, what comes out of what comes out of this. Yeah. So um, next slide. So think about that. So I just put up a few verbs. I um, verses. I did look them up, and they all use the same word, lev. Um, and I'm sure you're very familiar with those. Next slide. Okay. So there are other bits in the Bible which are translated, other verses in the Bible which are translated as heart, but actually they, um, they, they are other parts of the body when you actually look at the Hebrew, which is interesting. So, um, for example, in, I've got two from Jeremiah here. One in Jeremiah 11.20. O Lord Almighty, you who judge righteously and test the heart, we've put heart in, in, uh, in English, but actually the Hebrew says kidneys. <laughs> And mind, which is heart, okay? We've translated it heart and mind, but actually in the Hebrew, it's kidneys and heart. <laughs> so it's just because, it, again, you know, when you're, when you're a Bible translator, you're obviously trying to get the best meaning out of, you know, what, what, what your current language will, will, will understand. But there's, uh, there's interesting changes like that. And, um, and the other thing about Hebrew, it's very earthy. Um, it talks about the bowels as the seat of emotion as well. And I guess there's some of that in kind of some old, old English, isn't there? Jeremiah 31, 20. Um, is Ephraim my dear son? I, since I spoke... This is the King James, by the way, because if you look at the NIV, it won't say the bowels. Um, uh, I do earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my bowels are troubled for him. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That's much more earthy sort of representative things. My heart is troubled. No, my bowels are troubled. <laughs> Okay, next one. Okay, so in summary, um, why would God use Hebrew? Why is, it, is Hebrew such a rich and amazing language when you actually begin to delve into it? Because it uses senses, it uses the ordinary, the mundane, to convey spiritual messages and truths. It's a language of action. Do you remember we said um, the, the Torah and Yara is an arrow which shoots towards a target, so you'll often find in Hebrew that actually at the back of words, at the bottom of words, are actually action things, things to do with what we do. And next time I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that as well. Um, in which every word can have great depth, yeah, because there's much more to it than just the symbol. Um, and in which even the letters can add visual meaning. So you're looking at even the letters and the meaning of the letters and where they come from to give you an, an idea of the concept of the word. Okay? That'll do for today. Sorry, I went on a bit longer. <laughs> wow, wasn't that amazing? Thank you, Naomi. That's great. So now Sam is going to share with us. So, Lord, bless Sam and bless his words to us. Amen. I want to start with a little story. I think it's a story I've told here before. Um, so if you've, if you've heard it before, just take a few minutes. A story from seven or eight years ago, and it's not a story that I enjoy thinking about because it scared me a lot. The story goes like this. My, in, my, in the church I used to be a part of, our vicar, it was a lovely guy called Tony, um, and he was very gently, gently on most things, but he had a passion for the supernatural and for the prophetic and for God to move in healing um, in the congregation so much that he insisted to me um, that we both go on a mission and healing evangelism crusade in Brazil. 
which naturally is the next logical step, isn't it? Um, is go to Brazil and do, become a prayer ministry warrior thing. Now, those of you that know me will know that already there's some uh, disjointedness um, and that that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that you just plonk Sam straight into. But anyway, uh, I went and on the plane I was trying to learn some basic Portuguese. We've been given some helpful uh, little Portuguese learning sheets about like some of the language that will help you in your stay. And you know, normally you'd get things like thank you and please. Thank you and please weren't on there. The first word was mice, which means more. Uh, second one was mice senhor, which is more lord. Uh, third one, mice foguer, I think, is more fire. Does anyone speak Portuguese? Praise the Lord. I can say whatever I like. Um, Dave, I'm going to say this abysmally. I remember one, which is mais um, un para cura. Did I say that at all vague? Do you understand anything that I just said? What I was trying to say is <laughs> more anointing for healing. How would you say that? More anointing for healing. Para cura. Right. So then I went with all this excellent Portuguese that was just designed for prayer ministries. I just said more, more Lord. In a shop, I just had to go more Lord, uh, more fire, Lord. It's underbaked. Um, so uh, that was good. Um, and then we got there. Uh, long flight, obviously, um, tiring. And then the first evening that we got there, um, we were driven in a coach from our hotel. So we just sat down for like four minutes. And then we're driven in a coach um, um, like an hour away to like this mega church. It's this massive kind of vast warehouse hall thing where there was a full congregation ready for the start of the meeting, who'd been waiting for us to arrive. So there's this team coming from the UK that everyone was waiting for, and they were much more excited about it than I was, um, like by a long way. Um, and, and of course, they didn't let us sit at the back, so we were marched up to the front, and we all kind of stood along um, the front of the church and said hello and stuff. And then um, the guy that we went on this kind of ministry tour thing with, a guy called Randy Clark, who's really cool, really incredible guy. Um, and he's a real sweetie, but he's also very scary um, to be around because you never know quite what he might do next. <laughs> it's just uh, so it's dangerous. Um, he did like a, this little tiny introduction, and then he said, now what's going to happen is this team I've brought, um, every one of them is going to give a word of knowledge for someone here. And then we're going to pray for you, and you're going to get healed. He said this to the whole church. I was just like standing there, be like, "We're gonna do what?" <laughs> it's like, it's word of knowledge on demand isn't my strong suit. Um, and I was kind of around about here on the stage, and the line started over here. Um, so. <laughs> I, I really pity the person who went first. The mic was just kind of shoved in front of them, and I think they went for the left knee. Um, you know, that it's, it's always a safe bet, isn't it? Someone in the room is going to have some kind of a problem with their left knee. Um, and then we were kind of going down. I feel like someone in the room is getting this, someone in the room, um, maybe they're sick with this or whatever. And it was just getting closer and closer to me. And I was just like, oh, no, oh, no. Think of a body part. Think of a body part. What body parts haven't been said yet? Like, what can I do? <laughs> like, and then trying to, trying, to be, trying to be spiritual about it and be like, Jesus. And then when the mic got to me, I just felt like I should say there's a young person here who has a problem with arthritis. Now, in my mind, I was like, no, the left knee is way safer. <laughs> like, should go for the left knee. But I felt like I should say, I feel like there's a young person here who's struggling with arthritis. Now, it's dangerous because most young people don't have arthritis, right? It's not, it's not like a kind of classic, I was like, okay, 
whoops, uh, at least I won't have to pray for anyone, you know. So then we went along and finished the line, and this... Uh, we started praying for people, and after about 15, 20 minutes, and I, I was so scared. So also, I was new to praying for healing as well. Um, but a girl came up to my little line, um, maybe 13, 14-year-old girl, and said, that was me. I've, I'm, I've got this arthritis, and doctors don't know what to do, and it hurts me every single day. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> now I'm going to pray for her and she's not going to get better and it's just going to make things even worse <laughs> you see your pastor is full of faith um, <laughs> so, so uh, no problem I prayed for her we had a translator there who was also very lovely and I think helped my prayers um, a lot um, and um, she went away and we went home and the, we spent a long time praying for people um, that evening two, two days later we were back at that church um, and in the ministry time, long story short, this girl bounced up to me, like bounced up to me, um, just like jumping like this, <laughs> and was like, you prayed for me two days ago, and I was in agony, and I haven't had any pain. Isn't that great? And I was like, I only half believe you. <laughs> like, I'm so, so under faith that I almost had to, like, you know, kind of make her do a jig just to check that she was telling the truth and she wasn't just lying to me. Um, and um, I, I, on the spectrum of people who feel like they can hear from God on a regular basis, I am a long way away from where I would like to be. Um, and probably that relates to some of you. Probably some of you feel more like, actually, I'm comfortable with this. I know what the voice of God feels like. I know what the voice of God sounds like. I am someone who is terrified of hearing from God. I'm terrified of getting it wrong. I'm also terrified of getting it right, because <laughs> then you have to do something about it. Um, <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I just don't really know what I'm doing. Um, but I felt like uh, we're just doing this little series before we go away together on how do we hear the voice of God together? What does it look like to hear the voice of God together? And we've done a couple of sessions in the last couple of weeks on getting visions from God and prophecy and how do we interpret and how do we give. Um, and I was going to do something different today and then I thought, no, actually the talk that I was trying to write was rubbish. So we're just going to keep going with how do we hear from God together for a little bit more. Is that okay? And then your favorite thing is going to happen at the end. Guess what? You're going to hear from God for each other. Now, uh, <laughs> Luke's like, shouldn't have come. <laughs> <Should've>, <laughs> why did I not pull a sickie this week? <laughs> um, uh, but let's talk a little bit more about it first, and then we'll just be open to the voice of God a bit together. Is that all right? And it'll be my way of looking like I had better uh, preach planned. And uh, there we go. Um, let's look. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 1, just quickly. John chapter 1. And we're going to go from verse 43. Um, John chapter 1, as you'd guess, is quite near the beginning of the book of John. And uh, it's where Jesus is just beginning his ministry. He's just getting um, his first disciples. He's literally, um, the previous day to what we're going to look at, he's just met uh, Peter and uh, Andrew, I think. Is it Peter and Andrew? Um, and that was really cool. Um, but then from verse 43, it says this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida? Beth, Bethsaida. Hey, Beth. What does Beth mean? Beth. That's right. Uh, so we're house of something, at least. But there you go. Your Hebrew is already being useful. That's very good. Well done, you all. 
Philip found Nathaniel, um, which has the word L in it, which you'll notice was also in... There you go, you see, it's all there. Um, And told him, we have found the one. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. So Philip has just met Jesus and he's already convinced this guy is the one who has come to save the universe and to save our people. So uh, he's really excited. He's gone to find his mate, brother, mate, friend, brother. Is it clear? Have I missed something? I think it doesn't imply it. So we'll go for a friend, um, Nathaniel. and, uh, and Nathaniel's response is just great. He, uh, so we, fa- we found Jesus. And then um, uh, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Um, which is just funny. Like, it's just casual, a bit of kind of casual racism. It's like hearing that, that, you know, one of your friends comes up to you and is like, hey, you guys, Jesus has come back. Or like the Messiah has come. Imagine the Messiah hasn't come. The Messiah has come. And you're like, really? Where? How? Who? And they're like, it's this guy John from Slough. And you, a bit of you would be like, yeah, I, no, I don't think that's him. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Like, if you're just honest. Anyone from Slough? Hallelujah. Bless you. Um, it's good. Um, Oh dear. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Nathaniel's like, really? I don't think it's the one. Yeah, I think you just caught another craze, Phil. I think you're a bit nuts. Um, but Philip says, come and see. And then when it says, verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Which is also a weird compliment, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of like, uh what are you actually saying? But that, very interesting. Um, who was the first Israelite? Israelite. Jacob, that's right, whose other name was Israel. Um, was there anything false in Jacob? <laughs> right, so do you get what Jesus is doing? He's kind of playing a twist on it. He's like, wow, this is a guy of this race who's like got integrity. He's through and through, he says what he means. And we've already seen that of Nathaniel, don't, haven't we? He says what he means. Like, there's nothing, uh, he's not um, playing around. Um, so, Nathaniel said, how do you know me? Verse 48. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then, notice the subtle change in Nathaniel's attitude towards Jesus in the next verse. Are you ready? If, you, if you're not paying attention, you might miss it. Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Anyone notice the shift? <laughs> so, so Nathaniel, in, in, oh, let's keep reading. Jesus said, you believe because I, to- I, I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. What's that a reference to? Oh, Jacob. Has Jacob come up before in this passage? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, Jesus is saying, hey, just like Jacob, that first Israelite, um, saw this vision of this connection between earth uh, uh, and heaven where God's will is perfectly done. But for Jacob, it was just a place. Now it's not a place. It's me, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. That's basically what's happening. Isn't that cool? So, just want to look a few things. Um, in this passage, Jesus has um, a, a, a word of knowledge. I don't know if it counts if it's Jesus. I think it does count if it's Jesus. He's talked to the Holy Spirit, and he's had a word of knowledge about this guy, Nathaniel. And we're going to look at a few things about it, um, and then we're going to pray. Is that cool? Um, firstly, um, and probably 
this is the kind of hook for Nathaniel. The thing that Jesus hears from, hears from God, hears from the Father about Nathaniel is something that Jesus couldn't have known himself. Does that make sense? So he's not, the word from God isn't, Nathaniel, you have brownish hair. Because he could see that, right? He knows that. So the thing that hooks Nathaniel is that, whoa, Jesus has told me something that I, I couldn't have guessed uh, beforehand. Um, so a bit like me standing in a room with a bunch of people saying, whoa, I think, is there a young girl with arthritis here? And then being completely terrified, but saying, actually, what that was was the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't want it to happen, didn't have faith for it to happen, wasn't expecting it to happen, and really, really wish people would just not notice me in the line and bypass me by accident, the Holy Spirit spoke and showed me something and I had to say it. Does that make sense? Um, and, and that's a little bit like how God often works when he speaks to us as people. You're like, you get a sense of something that you just didn't, you didn't know otherwise. You couldn't get a sense of um, otherwise. Um, sadly, it always makes it more scary. Um, but I don't think Jesus was scared because I think he had a lot of confidence in his ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. And it's that that really gets him, isn't it? But there's something else as well. What the word shows isn't just that Jesus can kind of do, su- do like a crazy trick. Like if you're just in it to be like, hey, me and the Holy Spirit, we're going to freak some people out today. We're going to do some crazy tricks. I'm just going to impress people with how I hear from the Holy Spirit and how I can just like pow. I can tell you what you were doing last Saturday. Um, maybe you don't want to be told what you were doing last Saturday. I don't know. Um, but uh, for Jesus, is it about impressing Nathaniel? No, not really. What does Jesus want? Jesus wants to speak into Nathaniel's life and for Nathaniel to know, oh my gosh, I'm known by the Lord. I'm known by God. Like that's what Jesus wants for Nathaniel. So the, 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 the kind of the, the knowing something unusual, that's not the cool bit. The cool bit is God saw you and he loves you enough that he told me about you to tell you <laughs> that he loves you. Does that make sense? So that's why Nathaniel's first question is, how do you know me? How do you know me? Why me? And that's what God, what God so much wants to speak through us, not because he wants us to then be cool prophets who go and get big prophetic ministries and go and sell prophetic books and go and whatever. Does that make sense? That's not the end goal. The end goal is there are people that God wants to speak to, to tell them that he loves them, to show them how much he loves them. And sometimes just you, there needs to be an extra clue in, and that's the thing that you couldn't have known. Does that make sense? The third thing here is that there's an invitation. It's not just, hey, Nathaniel, you're nice, end of. It's, in fact, that's not even what he says. <laughs> you say what you mean. I don't think Nathaniel was a particularly nice guy personally, but certainly moderately abrasive, I think we're getting from this. But the third thing is when God speaks to us for someone else, he's in, it's because he's inviting them into something new. Um, so for the, for the girl um, in my one story of where I feel like I've definitely heard from God, right? For her, it was the invitation to come and receive healing and live free. Now, that's a pretty cool invitation for her, isn't it? That means that God loves her. It doesn't mean that God loves me, particularly, though he does. Um, 
But that was God speaking because he loves her and he wants her to walk in a new freeness. And for Nathaniel, it wasn't just that Jesus was trying to clock up some followers. So he was like, I need to collect four to get the story going. So I'll do like a cool word and I'll do a thing. Um, No, it was him inviting Nathaniel to live in who he is more. That's why there's the reference to the Israelite thing. He's saying, this is your identity, but now I'm inviting you not to walk in what Jacob was like in deceit and in falseness, but also just in the baggage of your past. I'm inviting you into something new. You're going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus. So Jesus is now that point of connection, and he's inviting him in. He says, you will see greater things than that. What's the implication there? The implication is, Nathaniel, you've got to come with me. You've got to join me. Does that make sense? He's, he's inviting him along for the ride. It's like, have you caught the bait? Have you gotten excited about who Jesus is? Come along um, for the ride. Um, I was listening to a talk uh, recently, and um, the, this is a third-hand story. Are you okay with a third-hand story? It's just so cool that I want to share it. Um, in the third-hand story, um, there's a pastor in a church in Watford. I think it's Soul Survivor Church. And um, they had a lady in their church who, was, um, who had very se- severe cancer. Um, and it was getting worse. Um, and uh, so no, not, not looking good. She's having all these serious consultations and stuff like that. Um, and she was kind of upgraded um, to a new consultant because the cancer was really deteriorating and they wanted to talk about um, kind of the closing of her care or whatever. So um, in the story, she has that meeting um, with the doctors and it's, it's not good, things are looking really bad, they do lots of tests. And then she goes home and, and during the night she has a dream and the dream is God telling her to go to a Wesley Owen bookshop um, which, you know, <laughs> you need God telling you to do, to do most of the time. Um, uh, Wesley Owen is a Christian bookshop. They're not really around much anymore. Um, but um, so she has, she's, God tells her to go to a Wesley Owen bookshop and buy a Bible, open it, and write James B on the inside. and Close it, wrap it up, and then put it um, in her bag and carry it around with her. And God said, I'll tell you who to give it to. So she woke up the next morning and thought, that's very odd, but worse comes to worse, I'm carrying around a Bible in my bag that I have to give to someone at some point. So, um, so she buys the Bible, writes James B. in it, um, and then a, f- uh, a few weeks later, she's going for this um, cancer consultation, um, and she's still carrying around this Bible in her bag. And um, she has these, uh, this full day of, of consultations and tests, um, and at the end, of the, I'm telling the story way worse than I heard it, by the way. I just thought I, I'm telling it to you not because I can tell a story, but because God is cool, um, and you'll like it at the end. Um, and the, cons- the consultant um, has done lots of tests. It's the first time he's seen her, um, and he's, he says to her at the end of the day, oh, my gosh, uh, okay, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I ran the tests at the beginning of the day. The results didn't make any sense to me, so I ran them again, and the results didn't make any sense to me. But here's what we've got. I couldn't find any cancer at all in your body. And she was like, <laughs> he was like, I don't have an explanation for you. But she said, well, actually, I've got one for you. My church are praying for me. <laughs> and so they were praying for me to get healed. And that's what's happened. God has removed the cancer. And, and so I'm fine. 
And the other doctor, who's been her doctor for a little while, is like, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. I'm a Christian. I've been praying for you too. Um, and they were like, oh, that's really cool. And then the, the consultant doctor was like, do you know what? That's really funny. This is the second time this has happened to me recently. A few weeks ago, I had a very similar meeting um, and I couldn't find any cancer. And the lady said, well, that's because I'm a Christian and my church have been praying for me. He was like, why would that happen twice so soon? I wonder. <laughs> and the girl was like, maybe God's trying to say something to you. Like, maybe, maybe he wants to meet you. Maybe he wants to know you. And then <laughs> um, she was like, do you mind me asking your name? And he was like, I can't remember the surname, but it was James Blackwell or something like that. It was like um, James B. So she was like, okay. So this might sound weird, but I've got a gift for you in my bag that God told me to buy a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and of course, because she'd written the name on the inside of it, he couldn't, like, she couldn't have just then done it. So he would have. So she gave him this Bible um, as a gift, and isn't that cool? And, and encouraged him to get prayer and go find Jesus, and like, it's like, isn't that so cool? And that's that's like. I think that's what God wants to do, isn't it? And he won't do all of it today, here, but he will do it today if we listen, I think. I think, is that fair to say? Um, I was really struck by, um, on the trip that I went on, the presumptuousness of assuming that I could just stand and hear from God. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like putting the pressure on the Holy Spirit that he had to come and tell me something at that moment. I found it idolatrous and offensive to him. Um, which I'm still not totally sussed out on. I feel like, is it okay for me just to be like, God, you speak now. Tell me something. Do you know what I mean? Anyone else feel like a bit like that? Um, but there is something, isn't there, about us saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And trusting that for people in this room, for some of us now, you, we actually need a word from God. Um, we need to hear something from him, or we need um, prayer for something or whatever. So, in a moment, we're going to take communion together, and we're going to do it a la Leonard. Now, uh, the Leonards are over here, and the way they do communion, um, when you, when, if you have communion with the Leonards at the house or something like that, um, the way it will roughly work is you, uh, forgive me if I do this wrong, uh, is you come up and you take a piece of bread um, and you just spend a little moment in prayer and just ask the Holy Spirit, who would you like me to go and share this with? And then you go and give someone the bread and then offer to pray for them. Is that cool? So then you're just hearing from God. And, and following up on it. And worse comes to worse, if you get it totally wrong, you just get to pray for someone. It doesn't matter. Now, if it's any consolation, this is my worst nightmare too. But I think if we're available to God, he wants to speak through us. Um, and what a cool thing just to practice with our mates, with our family here on a Sunday morning. Um, and if it goes wrong, who cares? So that's roughly speaking what we're going to do. Um, a few things. Uh, Bev gave some very helpful rules for prophecy um, last week, which is basically speaking, if you feel like you have a word from God for, for someone and it's God wants you to know that this is your last week on earth, so set your affairs in order um, or something along those lines, just, you know, maybe put it on the back burner Maybe don't give it to the person. Maybe it's not the Lord. The, the, it says um, in, two, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says uh, the, the, pro, the gift of prophecy is given um, so that people would be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. And it's because Jesus has got so, it's an invitation for someone. It's not a doomsday prophecy where you tell them that their kids are all going to die in an earthquake or something like that. That's not, that's not what it's for. It's for encouraging them to make the next step with Jesus, whatever that might be. That's totally right.
That's true. Yeah, I, I, and that's completely true. I would encourage you, if you do feel like maybe this is the Lord, try and be bold and go with it. Because the worst that can happen is you look like an idiot. And the best that can happen is God changes someone's world. Right? So uh, we're going to look like, yeah, some of us are going to look like idiots. That's totally okay. Um, uh, there's a, a, a phrase in the New Testament that says you prophesy in proportion to your faith. And I've heard that talked about recently as like, it's like a muscle. That the more you work it, the more you learn to hear from God for each other, the better it gets. The, more, the, the stronger you get at it, the more reliable it gets. So we're just going to try. We're going to do this together. We're family. Nothing can go wrong here. Hallelujah.